0: This week on the Bishop Jack Vaughn audio channel. With powers of darkness. And when you deal with powers of darkness, you can't come in playing. When you deal with powers of darkness, you can't come in with a formula that you read in somebody's book. When you're dealing with powers of darkness, you can't deal with them with dirty hands and a defiled spirit and a messed up heart. When you are dealing with powers of darkness, you've got to be holy. has been impressed upon my heart to share with you. Again, welcome to the house of the Lord. If you've tuned in and just tuned in to us, wherever you are in this world, God bless you and thank you for celebrating resurrection with us. The words of the Apostle Paul, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And the church said, Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to share with you these words, the power of the resurrection. Tell your neighbor, the power of the resurrection. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We started out uh, last Sunday, uh, which was Palm Sunday, talking about this road to Calvary. Now we have come to come through Good Friday as we have left the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. May I say to you that our hearts were so touched on Friday evening as many gifts of the house blessed our hearts and put aflame our spirits once again as we heard from eight clergy of this ministry, the seven last sayings and one with the summary. Now we've come to the this most high, holy, celebrated Sunday. And my prayer for you as the people of God, the body of Christ, that this day is really special to you. Uh, these speeches that were given by the children's ministry uh, often uh, paints a picture of how the world takes something so holy something so sacred and merchandise off of it and we fall for it with jelly beans and chocolate bunnies and colored eggs and uh, if we aren't careful we'll be serving two gods and having our children serving two gods a pagan god and a spiritual god and he has already said to us have no other god before me that's why i often tell people it's not about dressing up on this sunday it's not about new clothes or anything of that nature. It's about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So all day today, our focus is going to be on the power of the resurrection. Uh, Philippians, the third chapter and verse 10 uh, that we just read, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. There are obviously... Four statements in this verse. First is that I may know him. Second, and the power of his resurrection. And third, the fellowship of his suffering. And fourth, being made conformable unto his death. Paul is writing here to the saints uh, at Philippi. And Philippi was named by Alexander the Great for his father, Philip. And we are told that this was really the birthplace of the Roman Empire because of a battle fought here and the battle that was won. But Paul is considering uh, in this epistle uh, something infinitely greater than any perishing empire of men. It is wonderful, my brothers and sisters, to me, uh, anyhow, that this aged man battled, scarred, and worn, uh, Paul. But notice his prayer. His aspirations never die. His vision never becomes dim. The uh, fervor on his spirit never in any way got dull. He's aged. He's battle-scarred. He's worn. And he does not pray to be released from prison. Uh, He might have done that maybe previously, but He does not pray even that he might have a ministry here, though I am assured that he inspired or aspired to that. He does not pray that his body be healed, but notice his prayer. I I am sure that though he was not diseased, uh, uh, he was possibly terribly weak by the suffering he endured. How many recognize through your Bible study and your going to Sunday school and studying different lessons that, during this time, prisons were not a comfortable place like they're not a comfortable place now. They were cold, dark dungeons, and, uh, and, and here Paul is after doing all that he's done for Christ, after preaching, after missionary work, his aspirations is this first, that I may know him. Yeah. That I may know him. Usually the text gets that weight put on it in that verse, that I may know him, and then Sometimes the other part, uh, the power of his resurrection. But there is no question, at least in my mind, about this resurrection of Jesus Christ, that it is the standard power in the New Testament. Can I get you to repeat that? That the resurrection is, of Jesus Christ is the standard power in the New Testament. Now, what is there after that? It is the miracle of miracles. I don't think Resurrection Sunday goes by, and indeed it does not. Should I say, in that I am not reminded, uh, or should I remind myself of the old, old hymns of the church uh, that refer to the cross, and we sing them uh, many times on first Sundays. But I think we need to sing them all the time. Uh, the hymn says, "Today He rose and left the dead, and Satan's empire fell." Sometimes I hear people say, "Lord, destroy the works of the devil," even when they're praying. "Lord, destroy the works of the devil." But I come to tell you that he's already destroyed the works of the devil. That we might even pray that prayer, Lord, destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil have already been destroyed. And we got proof. Help me say we got proof. We got proof that the standard of God's power in the New Testament is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is the standard in the New Testament. The standard of God's power in the Old Testament was the deliverance of the people of Israel Through the Red Sea, which brought them finally into the land of promise. In the Old Testament, the miracle is the raising of a dead nation. A dead nation because they were in captivity in Egypt, which is a type of the world. Uh, They were under the dominion of Pharaoh, which is a type of the devil. So we got Egypt typifying the world and we have Pharaoh that typifies the devil. And they were brought, as the word of God says, God called them with a strong hand. He delivered them with a strong hand and stretched out his arm. All the way from Moses to Malachi, there is a constant referring to look what God did when he delivered Israel. Now when we look at that, that that deliverance, that mass deliverance of Israel, I want to ask you, is there anything bigger than that in your life? Have you got a problem today bigger than that? Is your problem uh, uh, causing you not to really focus on what he's really done for you? Is the issue that you're dealing with causing you not to really feel like praising him and giving his name the glory when in fact he really could have cut you off before today? Uh, The fact is you really could have been lost and never had a chance to really uh, serve him and worship him. The fact that we all walked up in here today or you're able to view us today says to me that God has something on his mind for you. Can you imagine anything that puts demands on God more than that? More than what we see when he delivered Israel from the hand of of the enemy, Pharaoh, out of Egypt. He delivered them. He brought them out of captivity. He snapped their feathers, broke their chains. He led them by his own hand with his own arm. And then we come to the New Testament. The standard miracle. The standard of God's power, as we've said, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, there is, of course, the resurrection of the individual from the dead. How many of y'all are redeemed? How many of y'all are saved today, born again? Get your hand up. Find somebody. Say, you've been resurrected too? You were dead, my sister. You were dead, my brother. You were dead in your trespasses and your sins. But it thought enough of you to call you out of your Egypt to deliver you from your Pharaoh. And give you life everlasting. Every hand really ought to be clapping in the house and praising his name. We're told so again and again uh, in Ephesians chapter 2. For instance, it says, you have been quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Now, he does not say that we will die. He says we were dead. We were dead. And the same miracle power that raised up Jesus from the dead is that power that raised us up from the dead. You didn't get here on your own. You weren't delivered on your own. The things that he has set you free from, the things that he has delivered you from did not happen on your own. It was not a good idea. It was a God experience of being resurrected from trespasses and sins that had so easily beset you and had you chained and had you fettered. And if you have been delivered today, give him a praise offering, please, in the house. Brothers, saints of God, I don't think it put any strain on God to make the world. I don't think it was any strain on him. He... Just created it because he's God. It did not put any strain on God to create light. He just spoke and said, let there be light, and there, there was light. Uh, I don't uh, think it put any strain on him to just create the files of the air. He just spoke and said, let it be, and it happened. But I want to suggest to you uh, this morning that, in a sense, it put a strain on God to raise Jesus from the dead put a strain on him in the sense that it tells us in Ephesians what is notice language of Texas when when you read them the scriptures uh, ask God to give you insight through the Holy Spirit that you're not just reading words and you're just not reading it just to say I read the Bible But, but he says the exceeding greatness glory to God exceeding greatness in other words this thing is intense what has happened for you is deep I often say as I'm traveling here lately and ministering to, to churches and pastors and leaders this is not a playground this is warfare this is not cute stuff we're doing this is warfare Satan's mission is meant to steal kill and destroy and the fact that he really had you in his grip but God But God, somebody can testify today, you know you was headed really there. uh-huh. But God, so the exceeding greatness, glory to God, of his power to us all who believe according to the working, you think about it, of his mighty power, not just power but mighty power. When he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, listen, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, there is an awful lot of energy right there. Exceeding greatness, mighty power to raise him from the dead. The Bible says that that This exceeding greatness, you see, there are measures of God's power (laughs) exerted through the word of God. Sometimes a thing doesn't even cost God as much as power as others, but it says here that, Uh, The exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now let's go back and consider what God said in Genesis when he said, let there be light and there was light. But I don't think he said, let there be Calvary. Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't think he said, let there be Calvary and there was Calvary. You, you are dealing here with moral and spiritual principles. You are dealing with powers of darkness. And when you deal with powers of darkness, you can't come in play it. When you deal with powers of darkness, you can't come in with a formula that you read in somebody's book. When you're dealing with powers of darkness, you can't deal with them with dirty hands and a defiled spirit and a messed up heart. When you are dealing with powers of darkness, you've got to be holy. You've got to have righteousness. You've got to have power because God is a God that's holy and he's a God that's righteous. Can I get a witness in the house just... Just one. And now Jesus Christ as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And I think again that we forget so much of the agony, the Father, not just the Son, but the Father. From the time Jesus left that ivory palace to come into a world of woe. The Father, the loneliness was on the behalf of the Father without his son. Because he had no one in heaven with whom he could communicate with and he sees his only son his friend going to the cross his son is going to bear the whole sin of the whole world and there is only one way to do it as the hymn writer writes and I like hymns as you can tell thou didst not spare thine only son but gavest him for a world undone you were undone and the church that I grew up in, the older saints said, you weren't fit to live and you weren't fit to die. You was an undone some. sum. Because you see, Calvary is the expression of the love of God. Calvary expresses the love of God and the resurrection explains the power of God. Can you help me say, Calvary, Calvary. expresses the love of God. And the resurrection explains the power of God. When you think about all the colossal epistles that Paul has written, he's got that most amazing track record here of any man that has ever lived outside of Jesus. Paul has raised the dead. Paul has opened the eyes of the blind. He has Cast out demons to the power of Christ. He has written more epistles than all the other men put together. And yet, he says, I want to know him. It isn't that he does not know him, he says, but there is a fuller revelation of him that I have yet to receive. Can I ask a question? How can you taste of him? And he is good and not want some more of him. How can you experience the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory and not... Want some more, how can you experience the peace of God and not want some more? Look again at Paul. Man, I would be intoxicated with joy if I had a ministry like he is. Paul has written letters, turned millions of lives around, starving people have gone to his epistles and found strength over the years and decades and, and hundreds of years. Thirsty people have gone and found something to drink. You drink from his writings. You uh, uh, eat and feed from Paul's epistles. We preach from them. We teach from them. They have been published, and, and theologians have written theses, and works based on Paul's writings. The hopeless have gone and found hope. People that were just at the end of their rope suddenly started to live because this man had an inspiration. And yet he says, despite you won't mess me up, you won't spoil me, yet I've written all of this, but there's something down on the inside of me that says I don't have enough of him and I want to know him some more. Hallelujah. I wonder, do we have any modern day 21st century Pauls in the house that say, I want to know him, Bishop. I want to know him more than I've known him. I want a fuller revelation of the Christ that I'm preaching about, I'm teaching about, I'm living for. I want to know him. Help me celebrate him. Help me so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the crowning miracle of God, church. Paul oh, builds like a pyramid upside down with all his epistles, 14 if you count Hebrews as his and putting Hebrews at the top. He turns them all over and balances them on a fine point saying with all I've given you about the mercy of God, the majesty of God, the predestination, all the future, all is balanced on one thing and that is the resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if there is no resurrection, you're through. If there is no resurrection, you're done, and I'm done. Patlock the church. Go home. If there is no resurrection, there is no hope for children, the generations to come. If there is no gener- if no re- resurrection, you and I are yet in our sins, but I thank him for the resurrection with everything that's in me today. Somebody praise him for the resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. What is unique about this is that other folk had experienced resurrection. Didn't Jesus raise people from the dead? Yes, he did. Because he said, I am the resurrection. Resurrection isn't part of theology. Resurrection is a person. theology it's a person Paul made it clear in the 24th chapter of Acts he said because Jesus rose everybody will rise one day a man lifted a latch as it were back in the day the country they have latches on doors latches on cupboards sometimes when you would lift the latch The stuff on the inside is pressing so that it it starts to fall out and you try to get it back up in there. But the more you try to get it back up in there, you thought, uh, then it comes out. So you just let the latch go and just let everything come out and just let it fall out. One day a man named Adam lifted a latch and let iniquity come into the world. The Bible says, by one man's sin, he polluted the whole human race. To pollute one life is bad enough, but to pollute millions and billions of people since creation is tragic. I can't prove this, but I am sure that in my imagination that one day Jesus said in eternity to his father, who was heartbroken over the sin in the universe, Jesus says, Father, will you let me go to earth and show them you can live in flesh and blood and be a perfect example of your holiness? I can live there and obey you even if the gates of hell came upon me. I just believe in my imagination that he wants us to think as he did, like the word of God says, as he was, so are we in this world. I'm going to say that again. As he was, so are we in this world. I come to tell you, I don't care what kind of hell is coming up against you. God has equipped you to be able to handle that and they sing this morning, you are more than a conqueror. Now that's worth 10,000 applause right there. That's worth 10,000 on your behalf. On your behalf. And if the truth be told, many of us have dealt in the course of our life with issues and things that we didn't have the power we couldn't control it it was like lifting the latch and everything in hell everything that looked like in the world was coming at us, coming down on us but the truth of the matter is God has raised us up to be more than conquerors and we've come out as winners and the things that should have destroyed us should have taken us out God calls us to rise above it and to have it under our feet and on that if I had ten thousand tongues I'd lift every one of them and give his name the glory from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same thank God for resurrection power in your life in your life church in your life Drugs can hold you Alcohol can hold you The world can hold you He called you out of Egypt Broke your chains Thank you Jesus Broke your feathers Now you can walk without chains Now you can lift your hands Without handcuffs Now you can see Without blinders on your eyes Nobody can do that But a God who has power Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I'm excited. Yes, yes, I am. Because you can't preach about this and act like nothing happened. This one done in a corner. God expects me with Christ in my life to have the world of flesh and the devil under my feet. Come on, wake your sleepy self up and do your feet. Say, so he's under my feet symbolic you're gonna get bruised you're gonna get bruised you're not gonna live life and not get bruised you're gonna get knocked down your emotions will raise and they'll fall your days will be dark or there'll be light just somebody says got to be that way <laughs> oh, we don't like a lot of things but it's got to be that way it's the way the master went I was reading where Paul says, sorrow came upon me. I was reading uh, Jesus when he went into the garden. And he says, as he went into the garden, he was in great heaviness of spirit. Jesus, don't let the devil trick you on your emotions. They are real. Mm Mm-hmm. Your standing with God does not change because your feelings change. I don't care how crazy you get. That word is still the same. I don't care how you talk. Like, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't see no way. I don't know why this is coming up on me. That word is going to remain the same. You get up one morning. You're prayerful. You're worshiping. You feel like you can conquer the world with two fingers. Give you a couple of days. You get up the next morning, you feel like somebody blowing you, you're going to fall over. Your emotions are real. Just because you went and laid hands on somebody and they say they got healed. You spoke out of revival and full folk came, gave their life to the Lord. Don't get it twisted and get beside yourself. And, and then think that you are exempt from emotional roller coasters because they're real. Here is Jesus going into the garden. Here is Jesus having to bear your sins and mine upon his shoulders. Emotions are uncertain. They are so unpredictable. and You can't chart the course. Of your emotions, Jesus says, though, but I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Here is something an old preacher, as I bring to a close our uh, case this morning from England, and he put it this way: In my studies, I was reading uh, just something that he wrote, visualizing. That resurrection morning and he says when the stone was put over the grave and those precious women remember this day they were the last at the cross they were the first at the sepulcher and that one precious woman can you imagine that one she was going to carry the body of Jesus and you know what if it had been there she'd have done it too because there are times that with your zeal and human love You can do things you could never have done. She would have taken that body, a woman, if she could have. But no, she got there. And the stone was there. Just before she got there, anyhow. And then over the stone, the wax, and over the wax, the seal. And then the soldiers, and then finally, the old preacher said, I can see Satan saying, I'm not sure if I can manage this. Then some demon says, your majesty to Satan, let's roll the sin of the world against the stone. Satan, no, we've got him, the stone, the wax, the seal, the soldiers, the sin of the world. Well, I'm not sure that we'll keep him captive. And the demon says, your majesty, supposing every demon puts his shoulder against that stone, we got him now. When I hear the Cape Canaveral countdown, I always think, friend, you're two thousand years too late, because the countdown was the resurrection morning. Oh, Lucifer says, "We've got him now. Hold him. We got the stone. We got the wax. We got the seal. We got the soldiers. The sin of the world. Every demon, hold it, hold it, hold it. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. He was just going to say two, and the Holy Spirit slipped in and raised up Jesus from the dead. How do I know? Because Romans chapter 8 says the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. This resurrection is so wonderful. But not only did he raise Christ from the dead, but Paul says when he got up, I got up with him. When he was raised, I was raised with him. And when you look over there in that chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, he said, and once we were dead in trespasses and sins, singular, but that second chapter makes it plural, and said, and we who were raised together with him when he got up, now we are seated with him in heavenly places. It goes even further than the tomb. Amen. We are seated now on the right-hand side with the Father where Christ Christ reigns where he rules and where he worships somebody that got up give him some praise today hallelujah 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 God perpetuated that miracle in me when he raised me from the dead just wave your hand if you've been raised and say thank God I've been raised from the dead as you as quicken who were dead trespasses and sins not you will die you were dead some of us would even admit more than that we stank I got a few amens in the house you were dead so long you stank you had a smell to you you had an odor to you you made other people feel the rottenness of your life You're not telling everything, but you've done some stuff. Come on now. You ain't telling everything. You've been some places. Come on now. But when Jesus says, I am the resurrection, I like that. I happen to know at the end of Revelation Jesus said listen I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive and I have the keys of death and hell somebody give me some keys amen I got the keys of death and hell in other words amen you can't handle me because I can lock up and I can unlock and he said whatever I bind on earth he'll bind it in heaven whatever I loose on earth he'll loose it in heaven because keys represent authority keys represent power and I come to tell a believer if your daddy got keys he's giving you access to the keys also use your keys tell your neighbor use your keys he he he, he who is alive friend you won't die one minute before God wants you to if you're in his will He's got the time of your death. He's got the time of mine. He has the keys, keys. And nobody can destroy me because he's got my keys. Nobody can destroy you because all power is given unto me, he says. And I say, there are other resurrections we mentioned, yes, but they're all different. Yes, sir. You know, Jesus was quite comfortable in the presence of death. It didn't trouble him. That's why folks that don't know him can understand how we as believers handle death. Even death of a loved one, death when we lose someone that we're married to, someone, a child, death of a sibling, death of a friend. They don't understand how we can keep coming to church and how we can keep lifting our hands. And uh, they think that we should back up in a corner and give up on life and just get ready to die ourselves. But when you understand, excuse me, resurrection power, when you understand, amen, what Jesus says here, amen. He was quite comfortable in the presence of death. It didn't trouble him because who did he raise? From the dead, He raised Jared's daughter. He raised the son of the widow Nain. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Three people he raised from the dead. And what is the difference between their resurrection? I feel God up here and his resurrection. It's a whole lot of difference. Help me say it's a whole lot of difference. Uh, first, theirs had no vicarious power to it. Second, they were all called forth from the tomb. Amen. He wasn't. Amen. When they came forth from the tomb, they were all bound with clothes and headbands and feet Uh, but we know Jesus just walked out of it uh, and when he left out of the tomb grave clothes folded come on now but how many of y'all know amen that the napkin was folded too amen because only when that napkin is balled up is a sign to the waiter that says I'm through but as long as that napkin is still folded it's a sign that I'll be back oh don't miss the significance of what happened in that tomb. He didn't need anybody to call him forth because he was God. He was Christ. And that same priest that rides and resides in you says you got access to me. I know you love prayer partners. I know you love the pastor but you don't always need a prayer partner. You don't always need the pastor the Christ in you gives you the power to call forth and the significance and the wonderful thing about this, you can be riding in your car on the interstate and call forth something. You can be on your job at your desk and send the word of God to the school, send it across town, send it to the college campus and tell God what you need his word to do. And the Bible said it will not come back void. But it will accomplish. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Give me my microphone. Yes, hurry. I got in the morning, boy. Amen. That power that God will give It will work. Clap your hands and tell your neighbor. It will work. It will work. It will work. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nobody called him. Number two, they were bound with clothes. He wasn't. Number three, they all went back and died again. He didn't. At least I haven't seen them. So I figure they must be dead. So what does the scripture say about Jesus here? He says, let me read it. Romans 6 verse 8 then I'm going to stop we're going to stand as my dad would say let me clinch this now if we be dead with Christ we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ being raised from the dead die no more Death have no more dominion over him. Shh. Man, that's worth a thousand hallelujahs. <laughs> if you just say one, I'll help you say another one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Death have no more dominion over him. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. The other men died twice appointed unto man once to die. Some of them poor souls had to die twice. That's pretty rough to die twice. We say Enoch and Elijah didn't die. Amen. But if you go to the end of revelations, you'll see what happened. Who lies in the streets of Jerusalem. So God's going to fulfill. You see, we live under a moral law and God said, whatever man sow, that also shall he reap. And if God says in Adam all die, They're going to die, but he says Jesus came knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no no more dominion over him. Now let's step back one more minute we stand and and the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is that spirit that quickens us because man was dead you and I in trespasses and in sin and that's why sometimes you can't drive home to people how bad they are you can tell your children you can tell a friend you can tell a spouse what bad shape they're in can't you see what the devil's doing to you can't you see what the enemy's trying how he's trying to destroy you they can't hear you because they're dead they can't see it because they're dead and dead folk can't see, dead folk can't hear. When you are spiritually dead they can bring a bible before you in giant print triple size you can sit under preaching and teaching and be faithful to the church every week but if you are dead spiritually your inner ears are closed you aren't hearing anything. The miracles can be performed all around you. You can see God change lives. You can see him make ways. Amen. Others can see ways being made, but you can't see it. And when you can't see it, and when you don't hear it, you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again because you haven't been quickened. You don't see what drugs are doing to you. You don't see what fornication is doing to you. You don't see what cigarettes and alcohol is doing to you. You don't see what hanging with the wrong Crowd and going the wrong places is doing to you, you think is all right. That's because you're dead, that's because you're still in your trespasses and your sins. When others are telling you, Come on out, separate yourself from them. God's got a purpose, you don't want to hear that. because you're dead but the Bible says that he has a power that is a quickening power and when he quickens you your eyes come open when he quickens you your ears come open oh thank God and you have he quickened we need quickening power somebody say quickening power quickening power in our house Quickening power in our marriages. Quickening power raising our children. God quicken us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have to respond when He quickens you. You have to respond when He quickens you. Stand on your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody worship him. Come on, just worship him. Lift your hands. If he's quick in you, worship him. If he's quick in you, worship him. Hallelujah. times just like a worm eating in somebody's heart everybody don't always respond when they first hear most people that accept Christ don't respond when they first hear the gospel some do some don't but I think that times like that worm eating somebody's heart Spirit of Conviction.